0: You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey everybody, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul, And welcome to The Comics Hall. What a treat. We've actually got five Wednesdays in the month of March, so we are here to cover all the new releases for Wednesday, March 31st. Oh my goodness.
1: So much to do.
0: So much to do, and tomorrow's a big day too because it is April Fool's Day, but more importantly it is Deadpool Day. But before we launch into all of that, hey, Moderator Rob, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Moderator Rob. (laughs) I'll be in the uh, chat, passing questions along and hanging out with everybody. Excellent.
0: We are live on most of Sideshow's channels, so you can join us uh, right there in the comments, talk to Rob, He'll pass questions to us. Just shout out your favorite stuff. Let us know what you picked up this week. And uh, if you are listening on the podcast feedback on Thursday, uh, congratulations, this is not an April Fool's Day joke. Uh, <laughs> but we do have a lot of great news and new releases for this week. A lot of a lot of good stuff coming out just at the tail end of the month. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into our comic book news. We kept it short and sweet for this week because we got a lot of ground to cover today big new announcement that just came out i think today or yesterday my sense of time is completely warped but john ramita jr will officially be returning to marvel comics this july after a five-year stint at dc comics working on titles like dark knight 3 the master race and superman year one he is of course the son of legendary john ramita senior uh, and john ramita jr is known for beginning work uh with marvel comics at age 13 and he has co-created characters like the prowler typhoid mary and hobgoblin on his career-defining runs with Amazing Spider-Man, Uncanny X-Men, Iron Man, Daredevil, and more. Uh, Marvel has not revealed what project that he will be tackling next, but they did share a piece of promotional artwork that he created as a part of his return announcement. Up until his switch over to DC, of course, J.R. Jr. was just completely known and defined by a life at Marvel Comics, so it's great to see him coming back.
1: Yeah, it really is. Uh, very excited to have him over on the DC side of things, but he's back in his his normal rocking chair of Marvel. Um, <laughs> so, as Amy um, had mentioned, tomorrow, which is April first, is Deadpool Day. It is not a joke. We promised there will be there is fun to be had. Uh, we will be celebrating the Merc with the Mouth across all platforms and groups. Um, now we've got instant giveaways going on. We've got the Alan Hellard, who is helping produce this team, this team is doing an awesome booth, we've got 100% promo code hunt, we've got a cobbled cosplay, and we have a new game show that we are bringing everyone, um, I don't know if we've, t- we've told everyone the name, but you know what, it's on our advertising, it's called Trivial Cahoots, and it is a trivia show that is all Deadpool themed, now the winners get reward codes, no, get reward points, I should say, so it's kind of a first for us, so join us tomorrow. Um, as we do that now again times are at 9 10 one two and five those are all live shows and go to side dot oh where did it go side forward slash deadpool day 21 for all needed information on the event tomorrow it's gonna be a lot of fun
0: yeah and all those times that Paul mentioned are in Pacific I also have been informed that I am not allowed to participate in the trivia game so
1: no 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 we, we just, <laughs> you just you just you just write it you and autumn are not allowed to participate for very different reasons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like both of those reasons equally. Well, that's it for the news this week. We kept it short and simple. There's a lot of other stuff going on this week. Hopefully, everybody's had a chance to check out Invincible on Amazon Prime, as we mentioned last week. That's been a big, big thing going on this week. Uh, But up next, we've got our panel of the week showdown, and you guys will notice that While we're not doing a full-on Deadpool Day-themed show, we do have a little bit of hints of Deadpool here and there going on uh, throughout this show to kind of prime you for tomorrow's episode. So, we each picked...
1: Oh. Sorry, go ahead, Amy.
0: Oh, we each picked, of course, our favorite uh, recent Deadpool moments in comics. I mean, there is so much to cover. He's 30 years old this year, I believe, and so there is just so much Deadpool. But we each yes. nominated our champion for the Regenerating Degenerate, the best of the Merc with a Mouth, and you guys aptly voted.
1: <laughs> yes, and so, Chris, let's see. who's uh, Whose panel are we bringing up first here? Chris? Oh, all, we right. Go. all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this one was my panel uh, chosen for my love of uh, first of all breakfast foods in general but also because it reminded me of Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 uh, this is from Deadpool number 16 from 2009 there have been a lot of Deadpool number 16's but specifically this was the 2009 run uh, written by Daniel Way with art by Paco Medina and Juan Blasco with colors by Marte Gracia and letters by Joe Sabino and Deadpool here is saying I love the smell of 372 1,844 pancakes in the morning. It smells like victory. Those pancakes are an important <laughs> plot, dev- plot device uh, they in sure that issue are. as well. I won't spoil how, but they're they're uh, life-saving and life-giving. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, now, my panel is from... The Inferior Deadpool number 10. This is the 2012 arc written by Gary Duggan, Tony art by Tony Moore, colors by Val Staples, and lettering by Joe Sabino we see here. Uh, this is right after Deadpool was falling and his good friend Spider-Man has saved him. And he says, you know, Deadpool says, if the internet could see the two of us like this, it would have fits. And then Spider-Man asks him, "What? What? What are you talking about?" And Deadpool tells him, "I guess we go to different websites." So, <laughs> well, um, yes, uh, the, this is a really, really fun panel. It's some honestly some classic
0: Spidey pool.
1: Absolutely, exactly. Absolutely, one of my favorites and It's the first thing that came to mind. Um, so, you all chose on Instagram and the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, and the winner is drum roll pancakes! pancakes the most
0: important <laughs> meal of the day thank you I am on a tear with these panel of the weeks uh thank you, you sure guys are. for voting <laughs> I don't know I just found my groove all of a sudden
1: um I don't you understand guys. <laughs> why you all hate me <laughs> but maybe
0: maybe their hatred of you is just less than their love of breakfast foods
1: that is true uh so. it, it, it you got you know if you're shooing with pancakes and Batman. That's how you know, Amy. We've, we have and Amy have been doing this for a while, and we've come yep. to learn. Pancakes and Batman.
0: Pancakes and Batman. That's all you need. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Deadpool. Next up, we've got our weekly haul. We're going to divide up our, our show today, so we'll, we'll give you guys the new stuff up top, and then we mm-hmm. do have a little bit of a Deadpool Day segment coming up for you all. Um, you guys can check – out uh all of the books that we're talking about on sideshow.com slash geek uh tomorrow when we upload the uh the covers and all that good stuff but this is your kind of deadpool day primer but first we will tackle the nice shiny new releases for wednesday march
1: 31st Mm -hmm. all right uh am i up first amy uh yeah i believe
0: so without further ado let's jump into the aim of the book segment uh where we will be evaluating four of our uh picks for this week we've got three new number ones that you might want to add to your poll yes. list and then we do have uh, the start of a new arc for a fan
1: favorite series as well we sure do and of course for everyone whether this is your 100th show have we had 100 shows i don't know but uh <laughs> 50th show or your first show the aim very quickly is how we rate books we don't give numerical values because a two to us could be a 10 to you so the aim is an acronym a standing for accessibility how easy is it to, A, find this book and also just pick it up and read and understand what's going on? The I is for interest. Who would like this book? What is there a buzz about this book in the comic book industry right now? Uh, so that's what I is. And then M is money, or as Amy likes to say, the monetary investment. What are you getting for what you're paying for? So very simply put, that's how we like to rate our books. We uh, we will throw them together in our aim segment so without further ado the first book that we are going to aim for all of you is avengers curse of the man thing number one this is what i read um i really really loved this book uh so you've got the team here oh where did it go you've got steve orlando who was doing the writing francesco uh on the art guru fx on colors and the ever busy clayton cowles doing the lettering now Uh, Really quickly for everyone, we've got a um, someone has hijacked the man thing. So that's the best way that I can explain it for you all. We also have a new villain here named the Harrower and some fan favorites from Hickman's current X-Men run known as the known as Horticulture has also come back to play in this book. Uh, It's really, really fun. Um, This is, to me, Steve Orlando at his best. I've read Steve Orlando all over the place. I think we've even covered Steve Orlando here with Commanders in Crisis. Uh, I've -hmm. read Midnighter. I mean, we've read all kinds of different Orlando books. Uh, To me, this is as good as Steve Orlando on Martian Manhunter and on Midnighter. He's really great in this. Now, um, again, jumping right into the accessibility here, this book should be... Easily found at your local shop. I think it's a pretty big release, specifically because this year we are celebrating, along with so many other people, uh, an anniversary. It's the 50th anniversary of swan- of Nope. i not going to do that. <laughs> That's <laughs> your one
0: screw-up. That's <laughs> my
1: one screw-up, and I'm off the show. I'm already on Seven Strikes. So, um, yes, it is uh, the 50th anniversary of the man thing. So, should be pretty easy to find. Definitely on Comicsology right now. Now, as for how easy is this book to just pick up and read, uh, it, it that's a different story. So I am not a – I know we've actually – we have some people watching who are very big Man Thing fans because they said they were going to watch the show specifically because we're covering this book. Would you um, call them
0: fan things then maybe? Fan <laughs> things, yes.
1: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that was really J, bad. One. That was really bad. I'm you sorry. You should get into writing for Sideshow. <laughs> Such a nerd. <laughs> I'll um, send them my reel. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so, you know, again, if you aren't super familiar with the uh, the man thing and what the curse of the man thing is, you know, that's not the first time we've ever heard this. You know, you've got Ted Salas, who is a, a doctor who tried to recreate Captain America's super soldier serum. Uh, it failed. And when he it when he put the super soldier serum into himself and he fell into a swamp that had mystic properties that the mystic properties of that swamp and the super soldier serum that he incorrectly created fused and we have the man thing so that's pretty much all you need to know and actually all of that is beautifully written and illustrated by orlando and um and mobley kind of giving you all the backstory now the only part that i would say here is that makes the story not that accessible is it i feel like uh steve orlando is a huge fan of jason aaron and his avengers run because there are a lot of threads and nuances of the avengers team as we see it now that really play into this because the avengers of course on the the front of the uh, cover play largely into this story you've got thor and she hulk and they're sort of I guess for lack of a better word, will they, won't they? Um, (laughs) You've got sort of where T'Challa is right now, Tony Stark and and uh, Carol Danvers and how they're sort of on a weird, uh, almost like a buddy cop thing for the last couple, you know, for the last couple of issues. There are some threads here that pull from that, but you don't really need to have read that. But it does, I feel, enhance the story a bit. Now, um, of course, jumping into the eye, the interest of this book, obviously, if you're a Man-Thing fan, you're going to love this. But if you're an Avengers fan, I also think you're really going to love this. I think the Avengers fans is the uh, the broader audience where the Man-Thing fans are. It's a little more niche. But um, as a bigger Avengers fan, I really enjoyed this. It's a much more grassroots story, pun completely intended, Um <laughs> And it, it's great. Now this is actually going to be one of three stories. You've got uh, Avengers Curse of the Man Thing, and number one, and um, the next one is Spider-Man Curse of the Man Thing, and then it closes out with X-Men Curse of the Man Thing. So it's a three-part story across three huge parts of the Marvel Universe, and and, it, and it's honestly it's really really fun. Um, I think the biggest thing that came from this for me was. Francesco Mobley's art. I was not I was not aware of him to be honest with this. I think I mean Amy we had talked about it a little bit before. I'm not sure how many of his books you read. You know maybe he had done some work on Daredevil, but mm-hmm. he wasn't, you know, on the radar as like wow, um he he's great and I wish I would have given Chris some of the interiors here, but the uh the interior art on this book is absolutely beautiful. Um, and of course, um guru effects And Clayton Cowles, you know, every time they clock in, they absolutely crush it. They are (laughs) true professionals and they do. uh, It's wonderful. I mean, they they, the the lettering specifically is really great whenever you see um, Man Thing and how Ted Salas's brain um, and his text bubbles are versus the Man Thing who doesn't talk. But I don't want to, you know, give any spoilers. But uh, again, ending it out here with the M, the money. It's only $4.99 again. This is technically one of three, uh, 44 pages of, of book. I mean, there weren't very many, uh, ads in here. So seriously, if you are on the fence about, you know, something, you know, if you're like, like me, maybe like Amy, uh, sometimes you just want to pick up something where it's, it's a nice, fun, light read. Uh, it's, it's great. This is a fun read that you can just pick up, um, and I wouldn't, you know, worry about too much about continuity at all. I mean, there's two other books that you can get, again, in X Men and Spider Man coming out, but you don't need to read them. You can just pick this up and enjoy it. So, Avengers, Curse of the Man thing, go get it. It's a lot of fun.
0: And as, as I was mentioning to you, Paul, before we started, this does <laughs> kind of remind me of that Ultron Forever series uh, by Al Ewing from a couple of years ago, where it carried over three Avengers titles, the yep. Avengers New and Uncanny. Um, but all, do you know if each of them will be. Uh, labeled a a number one in that way then
1: so uh, they are all going to be a number one with a different artist but Steve Orlando is doing all three books interesting interesting
0: all righty well Mm -hmm. staying in the realm of Marvel continuity I've got Beta Ray Bill number one this week and this was a big release from Marvel Uh, half spinning out of King and Black but also very much standing on its own Uh, this is a book with Daniel Warren Johnson's fingerprints all over it he did the writing he did the art and he also assisted with the lettering uh, with a little boost from colors on uh, uh, by Mike Spicer and then lettering by Joe Sabino where it wasn't uh, covered by Daniel Warren Johnson Uh, now Daniel Warren Johnson of course is also known for Murder Falcon and I believe Wonder Woman Dead Earth Uh, so you're in for a really fun ride here with Beta Ray Bill Now, accessibility, A. Um, This issue, as I mentioned, does spin out of King and Black. We do have the Null Symbiote Swirl. Even on the cover, you can see that is Fing Fang Foom. uh, For those of you Triple F lovers, Uh, he he does get a a pretty cool cameo. Of course, mind controlled by the God of Symbiotes. Um, However, this story does really set up a lot of key points taken from more Donny Cate's work, namely his first two arcs on Thor. Uh, we have the Devourer King arc in which Thor became the Herald of Thunder to Galactus and had a very, very uh, important altercation with Beta Ray Bill. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler for me to say that he shattered Stormbreaker. That's been that way for about a year now. Um, so when they last met, Thor absolutely destroyed Beta Ray Bill's hammer. And then the Prey arc, there's actually a really interesting uh Editor's note: Where there's a little bit of a spoiler uh, for Donnie Cates's prey story that I think hasn't quite concluded yet. Maybe I'm just forgetting something, but it seems to me that they kind of tipped how Beta Ray Bill kind of came back to his uh, full stature by the end of that story because mm-hmm. he was um, he was reverted to his Corbonite form for a while. Uh, but I think. Beyond those, which the story does a good job of setting those up, but it is really supported by having read all of that work. Um, Beta Ray Bill is a fan-favorite supporting character in the Thor mythos. He's well-loved, and he hasn't had a really solid series focus. Of course, he's made appearances uh, in not only Cates' work, but uh, some of Jason Aaron's stories as well. Um, Also Cates' Guardians of the Galaxy story. Um, So Beta Ray Bill's been popping up all over the place, but this is a nice condensed uh, mini-series that will be focusing on the character. Um, So accessibility, you're kind of taking that into your own hands. If you're a good context reader, um, you'll pretty much quickly figure out all the things that are bothering Bill or Beta Ray as he's uh, constantly referred to in the story, but you you best, uh, you best get the best effect from doing some kind of intertextual study, um, which isn't to say it's anything like research. It's all a great story. And I think that really builds up to some of the strongest points about this mini series launch. Um, in terms of interest, of course, fans of Thor are gonna wanna pick this one up, especially if you're loving what's going on right now in the Donny Cates series. Um, This issue does a really, really brilliant uh, thing with balancing high-octane action, which is Beta Ray Bill leading the troops of Asgard as their kind of uh, regent guardian while Thor is off being king and a herald and all the other things that he is, um, leading them into action against the nullified Fin Fin Fang Foom. I will never say that correctly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Same. Fin Fang Foom. Uh, But the back half of the book is just beautifully laced with a really quiet melancholy and i bet you weren't expecting this but beta ray bill number one is a sad book it's it's a sad kind of little bit of a lonely title because beta ray bill for all of his strengths and as much as the fans love him he doesn't know that we're out here and how much we love him he's currently struggling with his own self-image because it has literally been shattered by thor having destroyed the hammer. And we're getting an interesting look at um, kind of a condensed version of the unworthy Thor arc as well, where Beta Ray Bill has a little bit of soul searching to do because what is he without the hammer? Is he still a hero? This was Odin's greatest gift to him and Thor took that away from him. Um, In that melancholy element of the story, it does a really great job with kind of touching on this idea of alpha male like, who's the alpha dog dominant uh, superhero? And that idea that Thor kind of put Beta Ray Bill in his place and and made him seem less of a man uh, or, or alien or horse, if you will. There is a lot of horse uh, joke terminology thrown around because he is, of course, the horse face Thor or the Norse horse, uh, whatever you like to call him. But um, it's it's. It's not a feel-good comic book, but that should not discourage you in any way from reading it. I think it's a really beautiful story, and I'm really excited to see Beta Ray Bill get this kind of treatment. Um, I think all superheroes are at their best when they're kind of beat down and and built back up. I mean, that's why I loved Jason Aaron's Thor so much. I love the current run on Daredevil with Chip It's It's what happens when you take away all the tools of a hero and they're kind of forced to, to reckon with themselves. I mean, it's even the MCU, Tony Stark. Like if you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve to have it. So what is beta Ray bill without his hammer? Um, There's also some great carryover for fans of journey into mystery. If you liked his relationship with lady Sif, Um, she does get to make an appearance in this first issue. And it's just going to be a really, really, I think it's going to be a really fun series. And, and I say fun, but, with the the attitude and the emotions going on in Beta Ray Bill, I was, I was shocked. I mean, you do get really visceral action. And of course, Daniel Warren Johnson has an amazing way of making you feel every punch. The artwork is so kinetic. The lines just bend and break under the pressure of the action that is happening uh, in them. But that makes those quiet, sad moments all the sweeter. And there's just some really great... Uh, exploration and deconstruction of Beta Ray Bill as a character. Uh, now, in terms of the M, this is a $4.99 uh, issue. It's slightly oversized with 36 pages. There are some ads, so it probably amounts to about 30 to 32 pages of story overall. Um, and this is the first issue in a five-issue miniseries, and I did verify for you the, the further issues that are solicited in the series are $3.99 with about a 32-page standard page count. So as is Marvel style, the first issue is kind of a little bit little bit more bang for your buck, but also a little bit more money just to kind of get you in the door. Um, and then if you stick with it, uh, I think this is going to be a really great series uh, for fans of Beta Ray Bill. Um, it, it quickly sheds the King and Black Association. And I think rightfully so. I don't Good. think it will carry out through the rest of the series because we're, we're about a week away from the ending of King and Black anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does a quick job of setting up all these kind of threads from the cosmic and the Norse sides of Marvel uh, and I'm I'm really excited to see where this this piece goes once it's kind of divorced itself from Donny Cates's uh,
1: work. Right now, Amy, some, as someone who has not personally read a lot of you know like deep Thor lore, yeah, um, or much Beta Ray Bill, is is this pretty accessible as far as someone like who doesn't who's not really that familiar with the character?
0: Um, I think this is. Maybe not the optimum first introduction to the character. Uh, again, that depends on how comfortable you are with just diving in with something new. There is a lot of great backstory, and you do get hints of of story, and there is some flashback sequence that is kind of new and, and novel and we will be adding some stuff to his backstory. But I think ultimately, if you're not even the least bit familiar, um, it's a little bit of a difficult sell. I still think, though, there is a lot of great value to be found in it, even if you're only reading the thor series or you're reading king and black um not the best first introduction to the character but there's still a lot of value to be found in the book regardless yes we still got we still got a bunch of books to cover We still though, like a so lot of show should, left we promise i think we should uh, um, we
1: should keep rolling so i believe this is the last book we're aiming no second to No, last. um second to so last. the last book i am going to aim for everyone is not a number 1 but it is department of truth number 7 uh we've got here is cover a the uh the martin simmons ver- uh, cover thank you chris and actually i have uh, so i should get into it this is written of course by james tynan the fourth art by tyler boss known from four kids walking to a bank which amy has uh preached on this show because uh it, it's a wonderful book um colors by roman uh Tioff and lettering by the also ever busy uh aditya bidikar so This is a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, Again, we've got cover A on the screen here. And I'll move out of the way for a second, and you guys can all see my background. That is cover B by the interior artist Tyler Boss. Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. So this... Is uh, yes, it is number seven. So it's not you know. Let's just jump right into accessibility first. You should be able to find this book pretty much anywhere at a local comic shop. It, it's kind of become a bigger hit for um, for Image. Also, it got picked up for a show. So I'm, I assume a show and a movie. So I assume it's not going anywhere anytime soon.
0: Yeah, those those first uh, first arc trades were mm-hmm. selling like hotcakes just after that announcement oh, yeah. was made.
1: It was absolutely nuts. Um, but now, okay, as far as accessibility goes, like how easy is this to pick up and read? Obviously, I always, always recommend, you know, reading. This is issue seven, reading one through six and catching up. However, with that being said, this is definitely the most accessible issue since, uh, since issue one. Um, and the reason being is because now, and again, wow, I, I we're not we're a spoiler free show and podcast, so I'm going to do my absolute best to not spoil anything here. But we have moved into the archives of the Department of Truth with one of the main characters, but we've jumped to the past. So it's sort of become um, almost like a fun documentary on sort of monster of the week, you know, supernatural Buffy esque type uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer esque. Where, you know, you've got a different conspiracy theory each week that our protagonist is sort of looking at through the lens of the Department of Truth. And I am really surprised I got all that out without any spoilers. Um, um, (laughs) But you you did
0: have to use the B word. (laughs) I did.
1: Yes. Yes. Just so I knew Amy was paying attention. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. And, you know, James Tynan the fourth. Uh, does a wonderful job with this. But I will also say this is my favorite art being with Tyler Boss that I've seen in the series. Like, I love Martin uh, Martin Simmons. You know, his art is, is beautiful, and it's, like, the best way I can explain it is his art and the lines are purposely confusing in a masterful way. And it that really plays well into the first arc, and this is a little bit different. So Tyler Boss is the exact – perfect person for this now as far as the interest goes now if you are an old like if you're like me and you are an old school conspiracy theorist like we're talking aliens you know we're talking people at the center of the earth all that fun stuff this is really sort of uh this second arc here not so much the first arc one through five but six and seven are really starting to unravel that conspiracy theory spool and it's it's so fun and um, you can just tell that Tynan is sort of getting to um, run rampant here he's getting to do what he wants and it is <laughs> so much fun to watch him expertly explain the things that are happening in this book. That are normally just passed off, again, as conspiracy theory, um, again, through the lens of the physical, you know, department of truth. Um, It's so, so much fun. And this particular issue deals with the men in black and the men in black, you know, not the uh, not the Will Smith version that everyone's (laughs) thinking of. I know. Um, But it is, you know, the you know, the spooky, the scary capital M men in black that are, you know, lost, uh you know, I'm not gonna get into too much of this. Make myself look look like a like a nut so. But it is like, you know, the the, the gray aliens who, who were left here and now they work for the government. It's a whole thing. But James Steinen does an excellent job at explaining the why, the who, the when and, and the where of all of them. Um, and it's and it's really fun. It's spooky and Also, shout-out, like, huge shout-out to uh, Adichie Bidakar for creating the most – for creating the spookiest lettering that I've seen. Um, It's really weird, and he had completed the lettering in a fashion that actually made me read it in the cadence that the lettering kind of follows. And I always appreciate that. It's honestly – it's so much fun. It's – again, it is a mix of, like – Imagine if the writers of True Detective wrote the next Men in Black movie. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> uh, it is it is dark and it is wonderful. Um, and moving right along into the M of um, of the aim, it's only three ninety nine at thirty two pages, uh, and there are zero. Um, I almost said commercials. Um, there are zero ads in it at all. Unlike our show. <laughs> Unlike our show. Hey. We gotta pay the bills, guys, and so uh, there are zero ads in this until you get to the very end. And in the end, it's a really kind of cool dossier on everything you sort of just read. It's it's really great, um, and of course, again, this is an ongoing story. So uh, this this book is not going anywhere. I don't imagine uh, Tynan, who is doing uh, what is it, the nice house on the lake, had just said that the nightmares that he's you know uh getting from writing this story are fueling that book so I am all in right now because <laughs> this book is so far the creepiest of all of department of truth that they've done but again um this pri this book at 399 to 32 pages being an ongoing it's a steal and it's so much fun. The biggest problem with this book is it's like, okay, well, now I'm waiting for the next one. So uh, (laughs) like Amy said, if you can find the trade paperback for issues one through five, go get it. But I believe, like she said, I actually really haven't noticed, but I guess they are selling like crazy. So go get one if you can. If not, you can read all of it online. So it's all online at Comixology right now.
0: Alrighty. And I've got our final aim for the week, a book I have been so excited about. If you guys will think back with me all the way back to January when we asked everybody what's their most anticipated title of the year. Uh, you might remember I picked a little book called Witch Blood*, uh, which is out today from Vault Comics. I'm very, very, very excited to be covering this book. It is so much fun. Uh, so yes, take, first of all, if you're watching us live, you can take a look at that beautiful cover. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, go to sideshow.com slash geek, check out the cover gallery we have uploaded because we always uh, get it uh, launched around the same time as the podcast on Thursdays. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And those colors that you see on the cover are just a taste of what you get inside. So which blood number one was written by Matthew Ehrman with art by Lisa Sterl colors by Gab Contreras and letters by Jim Campbell. Now, a, accessibility this is a true number one from vault comics and again my personal most anticipated title of the year there has been some uh, there was some internet uh, confusion where it was misbranded as a part of the vampire the masquerade series this has nothing to do with vampire so the masquerade
1: I'm so mad now
0: Paul oh we'll get that fixed you have to read it now especially after I tell you what you can expect but this is a completely brand new series mm-hmm. and as we say true number one gives you everything you need to know right off the bat there is no prior reading so so even uh, like the Beta Ray Bill, there is there is no prior reading to Witch Blood. This is the complete first package. Uh, this is also Vault's big launch this week. You can check all of their social media channels. That is uh, what they're promoting and. Something I like to talk about with accessibility, not only how easy is it to to find. If your store is not already carrying Vault, then they're doing something wrong. But there are so many covers available for this book. Um, In fact, there are kind of four primary cover designs, including the Lisa Stirl main cover, the Yoshi Yoshitani cover. Uh, There's a foil and a virgin variant for the Yoshi cover. Then there's a Dazzler number 1 homage by Tim Daniel, and there's a tarot card cover by Lisa Sterl as well that takes on the Chariot tarot card, and it seems there's going to be an ongoing series of the, the tarot cards. Vault has even released a limited edition of only 100 movie poster variant you can buy directly from their website, and they are currently, and I swear, I'm not like, I don't work for Vault. I just love them to death. They are officially running for the next 30 days a gleam contest called Hashtag Cover Coven, where 13 lucky winners will get a cover bundle of all of the main four uh, designs that I mentioned just now. So you can check that out on their social media. Um, I happened to pick up just the standard cover because I love it so much, but the tarot card cover is so pretty. Um, there's also uh, the book is available on Comixology. But just a heads up, the book has sold out if it's first printing. So if your store runs out, uh, they will have to order from the second printing. But if you're a fan of Vault's cover output, the second printing gets a Jonah Hex number one homage cover as well. Uh, what? It's amazing. <laughs> I know they're just going bonkers and Vault's been doing great homage covers to classic Marvel and DC pieces. Um, so if you if your store missed out on the first round, there is a beautiful and amazing uh, second print and cover coming your way. But again, accessibility, this is the complete package. Just pick it up and get ready to ride. Uh, now I say that because for interest, Witchblood is a neon punk Western and it's a little bit like Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Sons of Anarchy out on the Texas open roads. This is a the story of an immortal witch named Yana and her uh, motorbike, the Ramblin' Rose and her bird companion named Boo. And, uh, their trek across the desert to kind of they're in search of a a mysterious person named Esme it's been a while since they've seen Esme but as you learn it's kind of implied that Esme is the progenitor of all witches Uh, and just so so much fun Uh, I don't want to give away too much of the story but it is just a really fun um, energetic tale and this is one of those books where every single member of the creative team is firing on all cylinders and i like to believe that most books that is true all the time but this is just one of those really beautiful experiences where you want to slow down you're going to look at this thing until your eyeballs hurt because it is like lisa frank supernatural western um (laughs) and it is more vibrant than uh vampire the masquerade which is a um I'm also reading that one, amazing vampire tale. But this one is totally different. We've got witches and vampires, we've got hex hunters, uh, just a lot of stuff going on in this book. It is a, it is an absolute rip roaring first issue. I adored this one, and it also has a really fun fairy tale element. So there is the, oh. of course, supernatural. And I'm, uh, there's a poem that somebody did online that was like cowboys as witches, because you know toil toil, uh, double double, double but, toil in trouble. To- but there's yeah. like a root and tootin. Boil and shooting. Anyways, um, so it's kind of got those those happy vibes of like witches and the westerns, but it has a fairy tale element running through as well with the narration. Uh, it begins once upon a time. They use the word canto, which is kind of like a verse in a poem to describe lengths of time. Uh, and there's just this really fun sense of immortality about the the story and the idea of being out on the open road. Um, and it blends really well with the the grit of Texas and being run off the open road and and just. Oh, it's just so much fun. Um, But again, I also want to call out specifically, not only are the writing and the art just super fun and punchy, but the colors as well. Gab Contreras' colors are just amazing. And one of the things that really adds to that uh, kind of neon vibrancy is the fact that Yana gets her own kind of special coloration when she's the focus of the panel. There's brighter colors in the background that really set her apart. From the landscape of Texas, she's also the only character with bright blue hair, uh, which is fantastic. But just the the way that the colors um, escalate behind her and really set her apart, give that fairy tale fantasy um, bright coloration to the piece. And then again, as Paul was mentioning with Department of Truth and the way that lettering can sometimes take the form of what's going on. I mean, every action packed sound effect is uh, fantastic in this, uh, thanks to Jim Campbell's lettering. There's also, there's just a lot of fun action, without giving away what shapes the action (laughs) is taking. I mean, we've got the motorbike sounds and we've got people throwing things and and attacking one another, and it's just so much fun. And we've got a a pack of vampire bikers too, so what more could you want? Um, I don't wanna... I don't want to go on too much with uh, the risk of spoiling what goes on in this first issue, but I am so so excited about this vault release. Um, and in general, everything that vault has been doing recently—I mean, every time we cover it on this show, uh, you guys know that we we absolutely adore the work they're doing. I was very privileged to get an earlier look at this uh, book, so I've been kind of stewing with excitement over the the entire uh, build up of this series. So uh, just. If if you haven't picked it up, please 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 hit the open road and pick up Witch Blood number one this week.
1: Yes, and Amy, um, Matthew, who wrote the book, is actually on YouTube and said, "Oh, that's awesome!" Hell yeah, y'all! I I hope I'm saying this correctly, Matthew. Hell yeah, y'all! I wrote Witch Blood, <laughs> and thanks for the wonderfully kind words on y'all's show. So, um, hi Matthew. Um, we would love to have you on. You know, and just talk about witch blood, and also maybe he can help us with the campaign that me and Amy are gonna start with. You know that right over your left shoulder, Amy. We're gonna start a petition to have that replace the Elmo meme. You know, like the fire bird.
0: Oh no, (laughs) yeah, Yana. But the other side. Other side. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Oh, she's so much fun. Sorry, I don't want to cover up the artwork too much. Uh, but yeah, there's it's just a delightful, delightful story. And again, the it's got the camp of Buffy with the kind of uh big open people on motorbikes uh, feel of yeah. Sons of Anarchy. And I forgot the M for monetary. You could all of all of this beauty can be yours for three ninety nine. That is uh three ninety nine nice. standard page count, I believe about thirty-two pages. Um, yeah, guys, I just love this one so much. So this this was a highly anticipated release that did not disappoint, and I can only be more excited for where it's going to go from here.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to go pick this up. Um, now, again. Now that you, you know, know that it's
0: not tied to Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> now that I know
1: that, and I can just read this and enjoy it. And now that I've got Matthew's voice in my head, I can really sort of appreciate all of the, you know, uh, the artistry put into this. But, yeah, so those were all our uh, our aims for the week. And now we've got uh, – we're going to be jumping in uh, to our next segment, which is cover no, – no, not cover story. Trade show. <laughs> Trade show. Thank you, Woo-hoo. everyone, for being so, much better at my job than me.
0: As we mentioned before our commercial break, uh, we do have Deadpool Day coming up tomorrow. Yes. So we wanted to give you kind of a little primer, some of our favorite Deadpool stories, just to get you in the mood for all of the fun that is going on tomorrow. Um, yes. I want to kick it off with Deadpool Illustrated. Uh, we're gonna jump right into this. I mean, you guys know who Deadpool is. We don't have to introduce Deadpool right, right. for you. So we're gonna give you a little uh, kind of taste test of all of our some of our favorite stories, some that you might not have read before, or just kind of a good uh, good way to start with the character or a good place yeah. to continue with the character.
1: And um, just a reminder, everyone, uh, we're not you know. We're not Deadpoolologists, so uh, we appreciate the character. This is going to be like a light stroll through some of these books. It's like a, a Deadpool beer flight where you can really kind of sample all of these. So, Amy, kick us off here with a, a pretty popular one.
0: Yes. So this is Deadpool Illustrated. honestly one of the first Deadpool comics that I ever read. Uh, this was written by Cullen Bunn <laughs> with art by Matteo Lolly and Sean Parsons with colors by Veronica Gandini and letters by Joe Sabino. This book is for, first of all, Deadpool fans, of course, it's just another uh, addition to the canon. It's also for the skeptics who don't think that liter- uh, that Deadpool is a smart enough character, uh, or those who are looking for a little bit more classic literature to their comics. Uh, you're gonna find it all here, and then you're gonna find Deadpool <laughs> is quickly tearing his way through uh, all of your favorites. So this is a, uh, the, the tagline for this series is Deadpool kill Illustrated, butchering stories from literature's finest authors. Uh, This actually takes place after another book we'll bring up in a little bit called Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. Uh, And after killing the entire Marvel Universe, Deadpool realizes Marvel heroes aren't the only fictional characters out there. And to prevent anyone from coming back to life or just kind of really putting the kibosh on all of fiction, he has to kill every fictional character to truly save the world. It's a, it's a noble goal of his. Um, so Deadpool with the help of some supervillains does travel through the nexus of all realities to the classics realm. And these are just a couple of characters from the first two issues. He fights Moby Dick and captain Ahab, Don Quixote and Sancho Panza, Pinocchio, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, the little women. Uh, so the March (laughs) sisters, it's always weird to refer to them as the little women. Um, (laughs) Tom Sawyer and more. And that's just the first two issues. There are so many more uh, books that get lampooned in this story. Uh, It ran for four issues. It's completely available in trade paperback right now, as well as comiXology. It is just a fun, fun story. And if you are looking at the cover right now, you can see uh, he's about to throw a bomb into Moby Dick's uh, spout hole. It's just uh, describing that is horrifying, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just it's so much fun. And you will not believe how many famous literary characters he does tear his way through in just four short issues. I think this one's fun. Uh, it's a good gift for the English major in your life. Uh, the last <laughs> issue was solicited with sorry, college students, but literature ends here. And I don't think too many college students would be super upset about that ultimately. But um, <laughs> It's just a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of irreverent fun, especially if you had to read any of these books. I, like I guarantee, at least one of the books that comes up in this series, someone had to read for high school or college. And if you <laughs> hated it, it's even funnier watching Deadpool just absolutely <laughs> annihilate them. Just so
1: destroy it.
0: That's Deadpool Illustrated.
1: <laughs> yeah, and also one of the first, I think this might have been the first Deadpool story I ever read. I didn't again. I didn't grow up really reading any Marvel, and so my like you know. I remember at a comic shop, I was like, oh, I'm a huge Deathstroke fan. They're like, well, you're going to love Deadpool. I obviously knew who Deadpool was, um, but one of the first stories that I do remember reading of Deadpool sort of back-to-back was the next book that I'm going to bring up, which is Deadpool, Dead Presidents, which is volume one. So this is actually issues one through five of the uh, 2013 story with Brian Pawson and Gary Duggan, Tony Moore on art. Now, a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent resurrects every dead president. We're talking George Washington, Ronald Reagan. Um, And for some reason, all of these zombie presidents want to destroy America. And, of course, it is up to Deadpool, um, who's got the reputation, skill, and also Canadian. So he can do it, no problem. No one's going (laughs) to believe him. Because I I do like in this story that they're like, it's going to be a bad look if Captain America is decapitating one of our presidents. So... (laughs)
0: But it's, if Deadpool uh, does it, it's fine.
1: It's fine. It's in canon. Um, this is, I mean, this was honestly such a great story. It's also the first Deadpool story in the Marvel Now era, uh, I believe. So it, it really was, it was fresh. And it wasn't so, for lack of a better word, it was more refined. <laughs> it was a more uh, <laughs> It Deadpool. was a simpler time. It was, yeah. <laughs> Uh, This was a, you can, you know, you can drink this with brandy, but how much is is up to you? So um, it, this is, (laughs) the character is not as, for lack of a better word, like motor mouthed. And uh, you all know what I mean. If you've read a Deadpool story, you know that like the text bubbles, the letterer, uh, they are really earning their paycheck in a Deadpool story because there's constantly, you know, it's like, It's it's like someone did a count one time of the 2008 Deadpool story, and it was like every page had like three or four jokes, something like people were definitely trying to outdo themselves. It was uh, some Deadpool anthology. And I can't remember. I should have just never brought it up in the first place. But this one is not as motor mouth and the the, the jokes kind of land a lot more. It's not as fourth world breaking uh, fourth wall breaking I'm sorry um, <laughs> the fourth
0: if Deadpool broke the fourth world that would be an entirely different series but hey DC Comics I have a pitch for you
1: <laughs> yes we sure do and kills the DC universe but that, that's a different story so um we I actually really loved this story um I, I don't have I have it's, it's funny I have nothing but good things to say about this particular run also Tony Moore does what I think is my favorite version like Tony Moore's version of Deadpool, the artistry behind that, is my favorite version of Deadpool, I think, that I've ever read. Again, I don't read a ton of Deadpool, though I think the most recent thing I I read was um, I read the first three issues of Kelly Thompson's run on Deadpool. Mm -hmm. Also, Deadpool, The End, which I think Kelly Thompson wrote as well. Um, And it's great. And I love that writers sort of get to project a little bit through the lens of Deadpool. And honestly, uh, Deadpool Dead Presidents from 2013 is is no different. So uh, this is widely available. Um, pretty much anywhere that you would uh, buy books, read books, your local shop might even have it right now. But it's definitely on Comixology and on Marvel Unlimited. So go read it. It's really fun. <laughs>
0: Now, Deadpool, the end, there was a Kelly on that, but that was actually Joe Kelly. But speaking of Kelly Thompson, uh, as you guys may or may not have known, uh, we've brought it up several times on this series. Uh, but Kelly Thompson did get a run on Deadpool. She would, she did the most recent solo series on Deadpool. Um, that was the King Deadpool arc. Um, did have a sweet... 10 issues a little cut down before its prime. But yes. if you're looking to see the latest adventures of Deadpool, you'll want to start here. Uh, this was written by Kelly Thompson with art by Chris Bacallo, with inks by Wayne Foucher, Tim Townsend, Alve, Jaime Mendoza, Live Say, and Victor o- Olazaba, excuse me, Olazaba, and colors by David Curiel with letters by Joe Sabino. Joe Sabino is an absolute lettering titan mm-hmm. uh, here. I, I just I love seeing his name come up for so many things. Um You can come for the Deadpool, you can come for the Elsa Bloodstone, but you're going to stay for Jeff the Landshark. Of course, Kelly Thompson (laughs) will put Jeff the Landshark in just about anything she does. Uh, A lot of great interplay between other series and characters that she's written. Uh, So you do get a couple of the West Coast Avengers as well, um, because she did tackle them, namely Gwenpool. Uh, But this is Deadpool's latest adventures, where he becomes the king of monsters on Staten Island and is tasked with running a monarchy. And it's not as easy as anyone might think it is, uh, especially for somebody like Deadpool. And he has to deal with heroes trying trying to stop him and his noble goals. Uh people trying to off his monster uh subjects and there's Kaiju and Craven the Hunter who doesn't love Cra- I know, Craven the Hunter <laughs> and Elsa Bloodstone. Those are my I don't know what it is about the monster hunters, but I think that they need more time in the sun always. Um there's also some light crossover here with Hawks Pox. There was um or, not necessarily the Hawkspox story, but the Hickman X Men run as Deadpool is petitioning to get a Krakoan portal gate on Monster Island. Uh, also, because he wants to see his friends the X Men, but they're not having it. There's also some crossover in Strike Force, but that's Strike Force coming into the Deadpool series, not Deadpool going into the other series. Um, that was written by Teeny Howard, and that uh, sees her kind of clandestine team of adventurers and heroes who do the dirty work um, messing around on Monster Island. Just a a fun series, again, very, very short. Uh, King Deadpool Volume 1 collects numbers 1 through 6 of the 2019 launched series, and then Volume 2 concludes with 7, 8, 9, and 10, which will release sometime, I believe, in April or May. I, I'm not 100% sure of the street date, but it is incoming because the series did just end in January. So... It's a quick two-arc run on Deadpool that gets you caught up with where he is right now. Who knows where we'll see him next? Uh, But definitely if you wanted to kind of get his latest adventures. If you're a fan of Kelly Thompson, of course, she's been tackling a lot of different series and doing really great work keeping every character that she writes extremely distinct. Uh, So I would have to, again, as always, I mean, if it's got Kelly Thompson's name on it, you can believe that I have wholeheartedly endorsed it. So Mm -hmm. uh, definitely recommend her run on Deadpool
1: now something that amy alluded to earlier the book that came before deadpool kill illustrated is the book that i sort of wanted to very lightly touch on here is deadpool kills the marvel universe from 2012. um to me this is one of the most iconic deadpool stories i think um in maybe the last 10 years i mean this is a story that again in in 2012 almost Almost 10 years ago, call it what it is. Oh, Um, my God. (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Even I knew about this story, and I was reading just um, indie books and just DC. um, And I knew that Colin Bunn was having a hell of a time over at Marvel, just having so much fun killing the entire Marvel universe. Um, Now, again, if you read this book weekly as it came out, seriously... Shout out. Uh, we, would, we would love to know, like if you, if you read it, I believe it was only four issues and again uh, came out in 2012. Now, this is um, Colin Bunn, Dalibor Taliak, and Lee Lowridge. And super long story short, in a, it's revealed that Deadpool was committed into Ravencroft uh, by the X-Men in order to help him heal uh, from his insanity. But the doctor was actually Psycho Man and Psycho Man ended up brainwashing him and creating an entirely new voice. So Deadpool has the white text bubble, which is him talking in world, the yellow text bubble, which is sort of his inner monologue. And then the red text bubble, which is his evil inner monologue that is constantly uh, fourth wall breaking, and it sort of bounces all over. and the The red text bubble, I, or you know, lettering, is the evil one. And it basically, this is a story that I feel open to very mixed reviews because, as I was mentioning to Amy, I think it it came out at a really interesting time. Um, it it sort of came out at a time where a lot of where I, I feel like comics go through, and Amy, maybe you can speak to this, uh, and everyone out there can speak to this, comics go from taking themselves really, really serious to sort of, like, let's sort of uh, plateau a little bit and tell some really great stories, and if they want to be a little more quirky, they can be. Um, and this, to me, came out at a time when uh, Marvel was really hitting it hard, and they were just about to launch Marvel Now and rebrand, so... Um, Yeah, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe was an interesting story when it came out because it was uh, Colin Bunn was sort of telling his story again through the lens of Deadpool as to what he really thought of some characters. And, you know, his uh, he gave Deadpool, for lack of a better word, not to really cross the streams too much, but uh, his own Batman Tower of Babylon and how he would take down all of these different heroes. And let me tell you, he plows through some really really popular <laughs> marvel heroes I, we're, we're talking all the avengers some it opens with a pretty grisly death um again if you were looking for a sort of off kilter version of um the marvel universe and a really fun deadpool story to prep you for deadpool day tomorrow um definitely read this uh, honestly it's it's so much fun and I think this this might be other than dead presidents. I think I have illustrated as well, but I have this trade paperback. Uh, so if I, so, if anyone out there wants to borrow it, just let me know. Um, <laughs> Rob will be delivering it to you wherever, free shipping. Uh, he'll walk it there. No, he won't. I don't think legally we can say that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is such such a great story, and of course, it had a sequel, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe again, which was out in twenty fifteen, I believe, or twenty fourteen. Something um, about that. Yeah. Time. And again, it's it just really is a fun way for, um, you know, I felt like Colin Bunn to take sort of all his thoughts and ideas and maybe the weird things that Marvel would never allow him to do and let him do it again through the katanas and the black and red mask of Deadpool. So, I mean, Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. I cannot say enough good things about it.
0: It's always a good day when you've got the parental advisory not for kids sticker on a Marvel comic book. Right Uh, up front. Just right up front. And you mentioned it was from 2012. I could see how it was mixed reviews at a time where the Avengers movie might have just hit or was Mm -hmm. about to hit. And people probably didn't want to see Deadpool uh, mowing down their Marvel favorites. But the story lives on and it spawned spinoffs. And apparently, if he had to kill the Marvel Universe again, he didn't do enough... Uh, he didn't do a good enough job in *Illustrated* of finishing everybody off, but that doesn't mean nope. you shouldn't read it. So we asked you guys for our Holler at the Hall segment, where we always uh, posit to you a, a thought-provoking or, or fun question, head-scratching. Uh, and we asked you guys for your favorite Deadpool moments. We got some great responses on the Let Your Geek Side Show* Facebook group, and we wanted to highlight just a couple of them. Uh so first up, Nicole Zito said, I just uh, I just overall love Hawkeye versus Deadpool, the 2015 series. So couldn't pick just one moment. But uh, she said, their banter is amazing. And this is one of my favorite moments, when Deadpool regrets his Halloween costume. <laughs> so we have a couple of images to cycle through. We won't roll through it all the way. But of course, we've got multiple Hawkeyes here. We've got uh, Kate Bishop and Clint Barton. And Kate <laughs> Bishop basically says, hey, cool Freddy Krueger costume. And then Deadpool realizes... She's right. I should have gone as Freddy Krueger for Halloween. And I love the sad look on his face as he, and I love Kate's the, the, when she turns around and she's like, ah, cause she's like freaking out. Just, it's such a, it's such a great expression work. Um, yeah, absolutely fun story. I love this one too. I personally love the moment where, uh, Deadpool does sign language to communicate with Clint Barton because he remembers that he has hearing aids. And it's just right. like a really fun, surprisingly wholesome Deadpool story. But when Deadpool realizes he definitely should have been Freddy Krueger for Halloween, that <laughs> uh, is one of Nicole Zito's favorite Deadpool moments.
1: And also, rolled and ride along here, longtime listener Mr. Andrew Worshborn had said, During Access... So, his, his favorite moment during Access when uh, when Deadpool was inverted and became Zenpool. He went from chaotic neutral to neutral chaotic. Still beat people up, but didn't kill. Still used foul language, but didn't curse. Still broke the, firth, the fourth wall, but was existential about it. He also started a Zen garden, as you can all see in the image below. And that is Zenpool. I actually, uh, I I remember for some reason I had, I've actually owned this issue. And again, at a time I wasn't reading a lot of Marvel but um, one of my my good friends was like, you've got to read the story. The Hobgoblin is a good guy now. And I had all, all those words didn't make any sense to me. So I picked it up, and I also happened to pick up this issue as well. So uh, thank you, Andrew, uh, for Zenpool. I'd say I, – I, I don't know. I mean there's a lot of really, really great um, Deadpool moments. But some of my favorites from comics are pretty – not you know nsfw from that uh from the uh the dead presidents one so just go read volume one of dead presidents um and it's just chock full of them there's a ton of great moments in there
0: yeah and access was a was a crazy storyline where everybody's nuts everybody swapped alignments for a while just lots of fun good zen pool there's so many Deadpool's throughout the Marvel universe of course we could spend another whole hour with commercial breaks telling you all about (laughs) them but our time is running short so we do have one holler at the hall question for you guys for next week we'll see you in April oh my goodness uh, where does the time go Uh, so we will hit you guys up next week but until then we want to know who would be your dream creative team to work on an Avengers book Mm -hmm. hopefully you guys know enough artists writers if you get colorists and letterers in there too that's extra credit Both uh but points. we want to know who you would love to see in a fantasy kind of a fantasy football style lineup who's taking on the avengers book next yes. uh, we will post that up and let your geek side sh- fa- let your geek side show facebook group excuse me i missed a few words there uh, we'll put that up on our twitter we will uh just get that everywhere you guys can mm-hmm. see and we'll have a new uh panel of the week showdown next week as well you can always find us on twitter instagram and facebook at the comics hall and you can always email us at the comics hall at sideshow dot com if yes. you feel so inclined. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Oh my goodness, five whole Wednesdays in the month of March.
1: We're and, we're gonna be busy. So we hope you're along for the ride. Open up those wallets because we're you know, we're gonna go walk the the wall at the comic shop, everyone.
0: Excellent. All right. We'll see you guys next week for more stuff. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And don't forget to tune in tomorrow to all of Sideshow's channels mm-hmm. for Deadpool Day. Again, you can go to side.show slash DeadpoolDay21 for your full hit list of everything that's going on tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, uh, check out that Trivial Cahoots. That's going to be crazy. And maybe some information that we imparted on this show will show up in there or not. I can't guarantee it, but maybe maybe Fingers your crossed. comics reading and preparation will will pay off Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been The Comics Hall. We'll see you guys next time. This has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing the Hall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at the Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show.